You know our friends at Wicking Vicar for their comfortable clerical shirts and their wooden advent wreath playset. They're back with a new gift, and this time it's for the Lutheran ladies. Introducing their beautiful necklace featuring 14 karat gold filled charms of the cross and Luther seal, a simple and feminine way to express your faith every day. This necklace arrives in a gift box and is perfect for confirmation, graduation, Mother's Day, or First Communion. Visit wickingvicar.com to find this necklace and other gifts. That's W-I-C-K-I-N-G-V-I-C-A-R.com. Listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. Today we have a book club wrap-up episode. This might be my most favorite one yet. I am super excited. I read this book like three months ago because I couldn't wait. So <laughs> Rachel, what was our book and what are we going to talk about today? Our book is The Princess and the Goblin by George MacDonald. And it is a fairy tale. Like straight up fairy tale, not even a fairy tale for grownups like we'll tackle next time. This is a fairy tale in which a princess named Irene or Irene, depending on where you are in the world, because the audiobook narrator might might pronounce that differently. A small princess is targeted by goblins who wish to make her a goblin bride. Spoilers. Sorry. There are spoilers. (laughs) It takes them two thirds of the book to figure out this thing, but you probably would figure it out in chapter two Mm -hmm. Um, and is saved by her wonderful grandmother, great-grandmother. She calls her her great-big-grandmother, who is a wonderful character, and also by a virtuous minor boy named Curdy, who goes after the goblins with his mattock and finds their weak spot. And Anyway, Irene is saved, and everything is right, and the goblins are ousted, and all that. And it, it's just, it's a simple little story. And yet there is some real richness lurking beneath the surface, uh, as there is in many fairy tales, actually. So that's our book. I loved it. This was actually my, at least my fourth time reading it. Hmm. At least. We'll talk about that a little later. So this book and I are old friends, but I was really glad to introduce it to some new people, including my own mom, who joined our Facebook discussion this time around. And really liked the book. So thanks, mom. What did you guys think? I enjoyed it. I actually listened with my parents as part of our road trip listening. Yes. (laughs) Family vacation. So I was like, I have a book for us to read. That's awesome. (laughs) So it was fun. And it was, it's short enough that we were able to do the whole book in the course of our road trip and not have to do only the book. And it was. It was a it was a delightful story. I did find it a little bit hard to get into at first, mm, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a little bit to like catch the rhythm of the the writing. And I mean it was I don't know. For being a children's story, there was a I needed to pay a little more attention than I expected, especially at the beginning, until mm. I really got into it. Which isn't a bad thing, but that's just uh, something I noticed with it. But yeah, I think 
I think you see that sometimes, A, in books that are sort of early on in their genre, which this is, you know, fantasy stories. for Fairy tales, of course, are as old as the stars. But Mm -hmm. fantasy stories published for children were kind of a new thing when this book was written. The other thing you see is in the days before typewriters, you don't see a lot of reworking of original manuscripts. And so the slowness of you taking that you took to get into it might have been actually the slowness it took the (laughs) author to get into it. He had to bring himself up to speed. And I I think that's a pattern that you see some in especially 19th century literature where there's, you know, it's just like the author is getting to know the book at the same time you are. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's interesting. I liked it. I want to go back and I will talk a little bit more in my answer to the question I picked, but I would like to go (laughs) back and actually read and like inwardly digest it. I do think (laughs) a brief amount of time I spent in the book, you can kind and I know that we're sort of drawing these connections to C.S. Lewis. And that's one of the reasons why we picked this book. I feel like it was giving the magician's nephew, like, as I'm reading oh, yeah. the mm-hmm. princess and like the hidden corridors and mm-hmm. finding rooms that mm-hmm. don't exist. Or what, like it was very much like the magician's nephew. I felt like there was a lot of similarities and you can kind of tell, I think, that Lewis and McDonald were contemporaries to a certain degree. Yeah, well, I think both in Lewis and in Tolkien and in various other early children's, you know, fantasy writers, you're going to see things that remind you of McDonald. If you read a lot of McDonald, you'll go back through like when now when I read The Lord of the Rings, I'm like, ah, you took that from George McDonald. You know, it's like these just little tiny elements keep popping up that this the influence of this author that very few people still remember to this day is felt hugely. So were they not contemporaries? Did I misunderstand that? No, McDonald was a couple decades before Lewis. Okay, my mistake. But yeah, Yeah. I knew that there was at least influence there. Yeah, Lewis discovered George McDonald as a young man, and McDonald's work was sort of influential in sort of baptizing his imagination and preparing him to receive the gospel again for the first time (laughs) later in his life. So yeah, hugely influential. I can totally see after reading C.S. Lewis's autobiography, no, not autobiography, biography first, and then reading this book, I can totally see how Lewis was influenced. Like imagination was influenced by McDonald because Mm -hmm. that same thing kind of happened to me. I haven't, I have not spent my entire life reading fantasy books like that. That has not been my genre until super recently, thanks to my husband who loves fantasy books. <laughs> Just hasn't really been my thing. So I absolutely loved this book. It It's definitely like near the top of my favorite books list. Aww. It was so fun. Uh, I read the sequel immediately because I couldn't get enough of the entire thing. I mean, in general, I have a love of stories with strong female lead characters anyway. And Irene is a strong female lead character and the great big princess is also. So like that drew me in immediately. And the writing was just very magical. And I just, I was, I was sucked in immediately. I loved it. It was just very, very delightful. And Mm. now I need to read more McDonald after we read more C.S. Lewis, because I have a lot of things <laughs> yeah. to read now. <laughs> a lot of things. That's a good thing. That's a good mm-hmm. thing. You never want to run, run out of good books to read. Mm-mm. And you know, by the way, for future reference, you guys are allowed to not like the books. 
that we pick. Like, it's fine for you to come in and be like, not my thing. Thanks for trying. Um, <laughs> but I'm always thrilled when we when we do find something that really seems to resonate. And and I think, you know, this was a really great discussion online. If you are a group member, you can go back into those archival events and check it out if you're interested to know what we do in book club. We had 72 women attend virtually and a lot of active discussions and conversations on the questions that were posted there. It was really, really wonderful. Probably my favorite online book club discussion so far, just for the quality of the responses and the engagement. Yeah. Wonderful. So for those of you who weren't part of that, you might want to might be wondering what kind of questions were asked. As we usually do during these book club recap episodes, I'd like each of you to pick one. We don't have time for all of them, but pick one that really seemed worth talking about to you. And we'll discuss it for a little bit here on air. I think Bree should go first. Yeah, that so already admittedly I picked the softball question, which is basically, <laughs> is this your first time reading it? How did you digest the literature, etc.? And here's why, okay? This is, yeah. this is merely explanation, not excuses, okay? Just to let you know. But my life has been a whirlwind of just insanity for the last three months. And so I was planning... I don't know if you can hear my dog screaming in the background right now. Um, there was a period of travel, like, in April where I was traveling, and I was like, yes, I can listen to this on the plane, and just ne it just never came to fruition. So finally, I noticed on my calendar last week, I was like, I need to read this book because I have not yet read I downloaded it on my Audible. It was ready to go. It was just a matter of firing it up. So I'm like, I better get this going. So I listened to it on Saturday, 60 times faster, 60% faster than it's supposed to be. 60 was, times? <laughs> yeah, it was over in two seconds. No, it, it was, I listened to one fast anyway, which was good. But it was a very enjoyable read. And I fell asleep at the end because I was so tired and in a good place. And that narrator, and she did pronounce it Irene, but... I don't know how it ends because I finally had a moment to myself and I fell asleep. <laughs> you Do you want to know a secret, Brie? Yes. I absolutely love books that put me to sleep. Wow, it was so great. I, I love the older I get, the more I just love sleep. And if a book can put me to sleep, like make me turn off my mind and just relax oh, yes. in that peaceful place. I love it. It doesn't take oh, me. If it doesn't so doesn't bother me if it takes me six months to finish the thing. Mm -hmm. If every night I pull it up and I enjoy a couple of pages and then off I go. It's just Straight wonderful. It was one of those situations where I went and there was like crusted <laughs> like gruel and like the lines of my pillow were like in my cheek <laughs> and I didn't know what year it was. I'm like, what? It was I mean, it was enjoyable. I liked it. And it was my first time reading it, so I'll answer that question, too. <laughs> Do you know who the narrator was? Because I also listened to the audiobook, and it was, I think, Tamron Price on Hoopla, and she was amazing. Like, she made it. She made it even more magical, I think, than it than it may be. Oh, that's good. Because the one we listened to, we listened mm. so no. full disclosure, I've... Davidson. Oh. Oh. My narrator. I don't even know who my narrator was. It probably wouldn't have been my first choice, but it was the free one on Audible that I didn't have to spend a credit for. 
Um, so that's the one we have. And we've, so mm-hmm. I have, I have read this book by myself at least twice. And then I read it out loud to my daughters. And then they loved it so much that we had to listen to the audible version in the car on a road trip with my husband and my older children so that they could hear it. And then I crammed again the Thursday before book club just to refresh myself. So that's at least at least four, maybe five, maybe more times that I've read it. And I just enjoy it every bit as much every time. Tamarin Mine was Payne. Who was yours? Laura Soriot. Oh, okay. okay. Tamarin Payne. That's who I had on my Audible one. Or not Audible. On Hoopla. She was incredible. She did voices. Like, Ooh. Yeah. Did voices she have singing chords? Yes, she sang them and rhymed them. It was it was okay. like, I may have to like alive. spring for an upgrade. Tamron, ta- what was her name? Tamron Payne. Hmm. Tamron Payne. Cool. Okay, I will remember that. I picked mine solely on the basis of the cover art was my favorite. So I, I totally I do that. So I liked her so much that I, when I went to read the sequel, I was really hoping she had read the sequel, and I had to try like. Did she? No. Oh. So I had I I downloaded four or five different (laughs) princess and curdy until i found one that i was Uh like this isn't terrible but i guess i'll have to deal with it because i want to read this book (laughs) i was yeah she like boy she should have gone out on the dark web (laughs) (laughs) on the the silk road i'm trying to find (laughs) yeah well and a word to the wise uh, two things about this book one it's public domain so you can find cheap copies on amazon i got a cheap copy on amazon with beautiful cover art, and it's got some wonderful illustrations on the inside, some of the original illustrations, which is great. But it's very, very, very badly done. Oh. As in, the typesetting is terrible, like a oh. middle schooler could have done better. It's It doesn't follow usual conventions for, like, mm. margins and pageant. There are no page numbers. I tried to look up page yes. numbers. Mm-hmm. There were none. So... You know, uh, sometimes with these public domain books, you can get super cheap copies. I'm pretty sure it's perfect bound, which means you could make it like on a machine in your back room. So sometimes you want to spring for a name brand publisher just so you can get things extras like page numbers mm-hmm. that <laughs> might not well, be there otherwise. Yeah. yeah. No, I did. After reading it, because I listened to it, I did. I was curious to know, like, what sort of printed versions were there. It looks like there's some that have some pretty cool illustrations, but it also looks like it's hit or miss whether you get the nicer versions of the illustrations when you order the book on Amazon. So I have not yet done that, but there were some neat looking illustrations that were done like in the 30s, I think, yeah, um, for a later edition of it. Oh, and also, sorry, I mm-hmm. just remembered when we first started doing this book, I told my sister-in-law about it and I was like, you should read this with my nieces. And just, so she started reading it uh, to my nieces and I never actually followed up with her. So I just, I just texted her. Did you it? <laughs> it's totally a good like read aloud story too. Like, Absolutely. Questions. Yeah. I would be interested to know if anybody who joined us on the book club actually like read this aloud with their families. Yes. Did we have yeah. any little Lutheran ladies joining us as honorary book club members this time? Because it was totally the perfect, perfect title for that. Absolutely. The other thing, just while we're talking nuts and bolts about this book, The Princess and the Goblin is actually much better known than its sequel, The Princess and Curdie. Mm. Despite the fact that we, everyone in my house agrees that The Princess and Curdie is a better book. So oh. if you joined us for this book club and you thought this was good, go out and get that one. You will not have quite the same choice as narrators on audiobook. Mm-hmm. The selection is down a little bit. 
but you will enjoy it so very much. If you like this one, the sequel's better. There are very few books that I would say that about, but it, it ties up one. a lot of the loose ends too, or just it it closes some of the gaps. Like, mm. like uh-huh. you can read the first book and not read the second and, and just be just fine. Like there's right. no cliffhanger. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of stuff in the second book that makes a lot of things that happen in the first book make a lot more sense. Hmm. Like it kind of grandmother is even more epic. Yes. Um, You see, you get to know the King more. There's a new set of villains and they're They're bad villains. They're bad villains. (laughs) Curdy's given a superpower. I won't tell you what it is. And he gets an animal sidekick named Lena and she brings on a whole bunch of other animals. I mean, there's like 50 animal sidekicks in this book. It's like not even animals. Animal sidekick. They're like creatures. They're creatures. (laughs) They're known as the uglies. It's just wonderful. It's the uglies. (laughs) Awesome. That does sound. That's my band name someday, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was like, I I remember reading the part with all the uglies while I was walking outside in like this very affluent neighborhood, and I'm pretty sure I was screaming when they were describing them. (laughs) Like these people are going to think I'm weird and crazy because I'm like. (laughs) <laughs> reacting out loud to this audiobook. Mm. <laughs> so, yes, Princess and Curdy, well worth getting if you liked The Princess and the Goblin. Yes. For now, though, we're talking about The Princess and the Goblin on our podcast. Thank you, Brie, for tackling question one. That turned out to have some really great <laughs> uh, side trails we could wander down happily. I'm thankful for those. <laughs> Aaron and Sarah, does either of you have a question that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I'll go next because I was going to do number two because the big elephant in the room is the grandmother. So we might as well talk oh, about her. Yes. Uh, there were so many people after after you posted question number one, they were like, we need to talk about the grandmother because what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so question two essentially is what do we make of Irene's grandmother? Is she a witch, a fairy godmother, an angel? This isn't meant to be an exact allegory, but... How do we interpret her character? First off, I think we before we discuss this, for those who have not read the book, we need to explain the grandmother. Ah, yes. Irene gets lost in her own castle and ends up in a tower room where she meets a woman who introduces her as her mother's father's mother's father. Her great-grandmother, also called Irene, gave her that she's named after her. But no one in the castle knows she's there. No one can see her unless she wants them to see her. She spends a lot of time spinning... She has a magical fire and a, mag- a magical bathtub. Um, and sometimes she looks like she's very old, but still beautiful. And sometimes she looks like she's very young and very beautiful. And she gives Irene a magic ring that has a thread attached to it that Irene can follow when she needs special guidance. She has heal. She just is this prime mover in this story, but it's really hard to figure out Like you want her, you want to look at the grandmother and say, oh, she corresponds to this quality or this personality in the real world. And Mm -hmm. then every time you try something on her, it doesn't quite fit. Mm -hmm. And so that was very puzzling for people. So what did you guys think of dear great big grandmother? Yeah, I took me a while to figure her out because at first I was like, I was trying to figure out first if she was actually like a real corporeal person. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, that like legitimately nobody knew that she was living in the castle and it was just kind of a weird thing. But yeah. then after a while, I was like, no, no, she's she's some <laughs> magical person. Like there's no actual <laughs> sense. <laughs> uh, so that, that was a fun little journey in my brain. 
I, I don't know. I don't, I honestly just like didn't want to even really think too hard about it because I didn't want to try to figure her out. If that yeah. makes sense. I loved mm-hmm. how mysterious she was mm-hmm. and that she was like the only character in the book who could do all of these things that you couldn't explain. Mm-hmm. Like how was she spinning this thread that was thinner than anything? You can't explain that or that it just kind of appears out of nowhere. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of was just enjoying the fact that you, if it if I thought too hard about it, it stopped making sense and it stopped being delightful. And I wanted it to just be magical yeah. and mysterious. Yeah. And I wanted Irene to have this magical person that was able to guide her to do these things that that she couldn't have done on her own. Because one, one of my favorite scenes is when she finds Curdy because so she finds she takes the thread she's like where is this thread taking me into the mountain she finds Curdy and trapped by goblins <laughs> trapped by goblins and at that point I I was not sure how he was going to get out I was like I know he has to get out but I have no idea how this is going to go down so so like she gets him out of or he manages to get out of the the rocks and then she's like, "Come on, no, she gets him out. Like she gets she, him out of the like, rocks. Yeah, like she unbear, like un, uncovers yeah. stone by stone until she opens up a yes. passage for him. Yes, mm-hmm. and then she's like." Curdy, I have my thread. You got to follow me out of this mountain. And he's like, how is that even possible? I don't know. How did you even get in? Like, he is just mind blown. He's and she's like, like, I'm the miner. You've yeah. never been in this hill before. Why are we following you? And she's yes. like, she's like, calm down, Curdy. I got this. Just follow me. And he's like, wait, keep up. Because she was going so fast. Like, I I loved that part. Uh-huh. I think that might be part of the whole book, maybe. But like, there's just, you can't, you can't explain how it works. It just, it just does. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that part of the whole fantasy thing was just very fun. So I don't know who the grandmother is. She's just some like mystical, magical person who manages to guide people in life and in, in this, in this little microcosm of life. And I don't know. I just, I loved, I loved how magical it was. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, this is a separate tangent of your question it's not the main question but it's on the topic of the grandmother okay and this is one of the I think this was probably the main thing that I noticed that felt at odds reading it as a modern reader Mm. and I was struck a couple of times with and I'm not even a parent but the idea of having this adult character who shows up who's like don't tell other people about me yeah and i was like this <laughs> as, this as a modern reader i was <laughs> i was struck by that and i'm like that is not how that's not how we interact these days and that's something that that mm. i don't know mm-hmm. i feel like you often tell kids if someone says that that is a Bad thing, like don't you should never be keep a secret sort of thing. And so that was just one thing that, as a modern reader, I noticed, and I was like, "Mm, "That's a small thing, but it does." It's like one small way where it didn't quite age perfectly, maybe. Yeah. Well, and the first time she sees her, sure, I'm not sure. The first time she sees her, she says, "Tell Ludi all about me." Ludi is her is her nursemaid, Mm -hmm. and she does, and Ludi thinks she's she's just playing with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's the second time she says, eh, yeah. don't tell it, don't talk about right. me anymore. It's not going to do any good, but right. you're right. I, I, it's been so long since I read this book for the first time. Mm-hmm. I knew 
as soon as I saw the word yeah. grandmother, heroine, like this right. is an epic, right. epic, wonderful, perfect figure. And yet I was surprised at how many women in our discussion group uh-huh. said that they weren't sure what to make of her at first, that uh-huh. they were totally creeped out and yeah. had to sort of wait yeah. and figure out right. if she was going to no, be the good, honestly, the good girl or the baddie. Boat. And yeah. I think that's part of why. And it was because of that, because of that aspect of our modern culture mm. that I was like looking at it with that lens and eventually I got past it, but I did yeah. notice that. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, the nurse, I had kind of a similar reaction to the nurse, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> she, was, she was like a manipulative caretaker. Like, yes. you're an adult lady. Like, take your insecurities <laughs> elsewhere, ma'am, because you're in charge of a child. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sometimes Irene was more mature Ludie has this this yeah. nursemaid her nanny basically named Ludie who loves her dearly but is paranoid of getting fired mm-hmm. and that colors it's like it definitely colors a lot of her decisions and conversation is this insecurity in her own position that causes her to make some very dubious choices mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Oh, well, Sarah, I'm I'm glad for what you said about the grandmother just accepting her at face value. And I think that is actually probably a better way to read than what I did, which is constantly <laughs> getting hung up on what she means and what, what she represents. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, to, to read it like a child. And McDonald, if you read a lot of his stuff, and I have at this point because I love him, you'll see that the magical... Spinning Granny is kind of a regular feature of his stories. Oh, I need to read. And more. I wonder if it's Scottish, if it's a Scottish Highlands thing, because he was hmm. from he was native of Scotland, and a lot of his books are set there. But yes, these these characters show up a lot. But I think of all of them, the old princess Irene is probably one of the most powerfully drawn. And part of it is that you do, if you want to try and take her apart, you can find. All sorts of things lurking there, not lurking, hovering there. Hovering is a much better word. (laughs) That can keep you thinking, you know, because she's got this Mm -hmm. fire of roses that purifies. She's got these pigeons. Like, this is all this Holy Spirit kind of language. Mm -hmm. The name Irene that she gave to little Irene means divine peace. Mm -hmm. This thread reminds us of, of the guidance of God and his word for us. You know, there's all these layers mm-hmm. to her. She says the the thing that the thing that made me go, ooh, is where she says in chapter 14, perhaps by the time I'm 2,000 years of age, I shall indeed never be afraid of anything. And I'm like, oh, well, that's it. She's the church. That's just what she's supposed to represent because this book is written in the late 1900s. She's getting close to 2000s. Uh-huh. You know, she's she's got oh. elements of... <laughs> Of the guardian angel about her. She's just got so much. But it's these layers upon layers of meaning in her character Mm -hmm. that just help you realize this woman has the power and the position to be really scary. Yeah. And to her enemies, I'm sure she is. And yet you have all these signs and signals that she's good. She's not only good, but she's holy. Mm -hmm. That you can trust her. She is a righteous individual. Yeah, and then that of course makes the book. So, Aaron, you should now that you know she's good, you should go back and reread it. You're right, you're right. So that you can sort of 
let your guard down and let this story wash over you a little bit more without that, I don't know, stranger danger alarm going off the whole time. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I should. should. When she wanted to sleep with her grandmother, I was like, what's happening? Then I. Yeah. Like, no, no. So I think the only part of the book that made me actually angry was when Curdy could not see the grandmother. And then he was mad at the princess and I like wanted to throw something at him. <laughs> and it felt very uncharacteristic of Curdie. Yeah. Because Curdie, of course, is this virtuous, brave, you know, young man from a loving family. Curdie's mom and dad are like my favorite characters in oh, both they're books. Mm-hmm. They're just wonderful. And so you would think that if anyone could see the grandmother, it'd be Curdie. And yet he can't. And I think that there's some real meaning in this. So traditionally there have been divisions between the lower virtues and the higher Mm. all right so you've got these roman virtues that are the classical virtues of things like temperance courage Mm -hmm. those sorts of things but then you've got the higher christian virtues of faith hope and love right and i think we're seeing this division here curtis starts Mm. out with these other virtues courage fortitude temperance all the rest but he has to learn the higher virtues. And Irene, with that faith of a child, mm. you know, she's got the faith. She's got the hope. She's got the love. She does. She needs to be taught the other ones. Well, but she, I mean, her integrity, like she gave her right. work and she, she scolded Irene for not, uh, for Ludi for not allowing her right. to keep her word. She's like, a princess must. Yeah. Yes. Gave my word. I have to keep it. Uh-huh. Um, so it's not that she's devoid of the lower ones, but you're right. She did have to learn like the courage side of it. Right. She hadn't learned that one. So she wasn't a perfect character. No. She and had room for growth there as well. I think part of the the lovely progression in this story, because the characters don't stay still, they're not static, mm-hmm. is Curdy learning faith because yeah. he does get acquainted with the grandmother at last. And it, it supplies him everything that he was lacking to be that fully complete mature warrior who can finally take down the goblins that he needed that those missing pieces those missing missing higher virtues um Mm -hmm. to complete his goodness yeah and as we find in the second book even if you achieve those virtues they don't necessarily last Mm -hmm. if you don't maintain them Mm -hmm. but that's a story for another day (laughs) (laughs) okay have we talked about the grandmother enough? We could definitely talk about her more, but I think, Erin, you had one that you wanted to talk about, too. Yeah, so I decided that I wanted to dig into question number five, and that's where the book is a children's story, but is it just a children's story? What value do fairy tales like this have for readers of all ages? And what, if anything, do we lose if we decide we're too old and grown up to enjoy them? I don't know if it's because... I think I'm sure part of it is because my parents instilled a love of reading in me from a very young age. And so I grew up being read to, honestly, through through high school, like the read aloud to. That was part of our family life. And we had a lot of books at home. And so I never, I don't know, I never really outgrew children's books, even like storybooks not not even like these chapter books sort of things <laughs> i saw a lot of children's books like the ones that are you know board books sort of things yes. for for very young readers so i have always enjoyed that i've never outgrown it and it never 
least, I don't know, I can't think of a time when I outgrew it and then grew back into it. For me, I think I've I've always enjoyed that. But part of what I love about it is, and for, especially for like the, we'll go with the children's literature. So beyond just the storybooks and things like that, but chapter books and such, is that there is a, especially in older ones, but no, this is true for, for newer ones as well. There is a desire to show how things should be Mm. not it doesn't it doesn't have to show it as a perfect thing but it has to it has to teach something about the way things should be now I feel like in older books especially a lot of that not always but a lot of that aligns with the a lot of Christian worldviews or at least Mm -hmm. a lot of the the moral views that that come from the biblical law and such yeah and so it's it doesn't necessarily have <laughs> i'm not saying all children's books are going to be paragons of virtue <laughs> yeah no they definitely aren't and i used to think that they were and yeah. uh i do not know there no. there could definitely be that's not the case however they often are intended like one of their goals is to show things the way it should be and i feel like a lot of adult literature tends to show Focus more on the way things are. Mm-hmm. And if you are writing, and that's there's value for that as well, but if you are writing without a Christian perspective, then that often gets to be depressing. Very um, bleak. Yeah. <laughs> or just not, uh, not edifying. And so part of what I do still love about children's literature and other books that that still have that different foundation is that it can show the way things are, but it also shows how it should be. And it, mm-hmm. it gives you that hope and encouragement of this isn't how it should be, but there is a better way sort of thing. There is something more. And so I, I do, I did love that about this book right now. I am another children's book that I am in the middle of. It's a children's series is the Wing Feather series, yeah. the Wing Feather Saga. And I read the first one, and I was like, oh, it's okay. I heard a lot of great things about it. I thought I was going to be more wild than I was. But then I read the second one, and it was so much better. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad to hear that, because we got the first one oh, and sort of stalled out. Exactly. So, all right. such amazing things. Book two, way, way more exciting. Plot really dr- takes, it, takes off. But it still has that... There's elements of how it could be, how it should be, like, threaded through it. And you see this in, you know, C.S. Lewis's Narnia books. Mm -hmm. You see it in The Mm -hmm. Hobbit. You see it in Little Women. And, like, just a whole lot of the, the children's literature out there, it includes the elements of not just how it is, but it it sort of boils them down to archetypes maybe that's part of it mm. and that's there is a satisfaction in in having more clear lines and not having to do a whole lot of and that part maybe that's partly why I struggled more with the grandmother because mm. I was wanting it to be cl- more clear cut and then with my modern eyes I was looking for more shades of gray than there should have been <laughs> and she's she's clearly a good a good character a hero character as you said 
but that wasn't clear to me from the beginning. And so I, sh- I should indeed read it again with that sort of view of it, of looking at archetypes and and that sort of thing. But I, I do. I, I love it. One of the people in the book club discussion on, on Facebook, Haley Hazen, had hey. commented that she said one value I see is escapism from reality. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. But also to an extent, part of what I like and I, I, I it took me this long to say it. I should have led with this. But anyway, sometimes I have to think <laughs> it out. Um, <laughs> it's escapism from reality. But to an extent, it's also like shows you the the bigger reality that we don't get to see. Like you escape from this reality into the bigger reality. That's yes. That, yeah. Uh, it's, it's escapism from reality, but it's also escapism into reality. Into reality. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, um, you know, all these spiritual good and evil, they're there. Right. But they're all sort of foggy and hazy in our reality that we experience. And that is what so many adult books try to capture you know yeah. this yeah. sort of that we want to capture those nuances those shades of gray that good art acknowledges that nobody's perfectly good and nobody's mm-hmm. completely evil mm-hmm. and yet children's literature often says no there are such things as good and evil there are good characters there are bad mm-hmm. characters and right. in a good story the good characters win and i yep. think that is a spiritual reality that is actually out there yeah. yeah. Um, and that it's refreshing to go and take an imaginative vacation into a world where that's yeah. how things go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 And that um, sort of reminds me, Rachel, you were mentioning at the beginning, you're like, no one wants question number three with the, is it too good? <laughs> to an extent, this one, I, when you asked that question, I was reminded also of the Bright Valley of Love. Oh, um, yeah. I love that book. Yes. And that was another one where in that case, it's not a fairy tale, but it was, again, very strong, sharp, good and bad. And the good didn't feel cloying because it was true. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they had a quote in there like, you know, fictional, fictional good (gasps) doesn't. It was a Simone de Beauvoir quote that Edna Hahn included. And I love that's one of my favorite things that we've read in the last year. Is that yeah. quote from the forward to that book? <laughs> yes, yes, agreed. <laughs> but to an extent, I feel like this, the princess and the goblin, is it goblins, plural? Uh, just the goblin. Goblin, okay. Princess and the goblin. Yes, it's fictional, but again, it's try- it didn't read as cloying because yeah. it's trying, it's showing that deeper truth that yeah. I can recognize, mm-hmm. you know, my, my soul recognizes it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think there are people, and I, I think you guys are all special. You have eyes to see and appreciate this. There are people who would read The Princess and the Goblin and get annoyed with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And say, yeah. that's not interesting. Mm-hmm. They're all too good. Curdy has courage. Where's his, where's his fear? Princess has hope and love. Where, where's the dark side? Mm-hmm. You know? That that grandmother, she's there's got to be an ulterior motive to all that she's doing. You know, mm-hmm. there are readers who would who would find it annoying, and but I think those whose eyes have been well baptized <laughs> to see and appreciate, you know, goodness in the world, will always find stories like this refreshing. Yeah, yeah, I did. I'm gonna read it again sometime. Yeah, but since I did it three times in a year, 
<laughs> Maybe I'll take a break. <laughs> There's lots of other books to read. Yeah. Speaking of lots of other books to read and yeah. fairy tales and books for kids versus books for grown-ups, we need to remind people about our next book club read, which we already decided upon last time, which was really efficient of us. Good job, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So our, as previously announced, our summer book club read, and I think we'll be doing the book club discussion sometime in late July, I'll get those exact dates out here before too long, is going to be That Hideous Strength by C.S. Lewis. We read about Lewis, we read one of Lewis's favorite books, and now we're going to read one by Lewis. And this book, the reason we gave you a long lead time on this is that this book is the third part in a trilogy the Space Trilogy. Now, you do not strictly have to read books one and two, which are Out of the Silent Planet and Paralandra. In order to make sense of that hideous strength, it does kind of stand alone. You will... I mean, you're going to be confused for part of the book anyway. I'm sorry. That's just how it <laughs> yes, is. Yes, you will. <laughs> but you can read it without reading the two before if you want to. However, I highly recommend reading them all three in order. You will just get that much more out of that hideous strength. We chose That Hideous Strength because, frankly, I think it has the most to talk about. And it has a strong female lead character. Yes! Um, which is something we love here. So I hope that you will enjoy that. I am really looking forward to the opportunity to reread that series again, maybe for the second or third time in the last year. I've been reading a lot, you guys. It's wonderful. Wow. Mm -hmm. It really is grand. Nice. Reading is wonderful. Oh. Rachel, Bree, I've had seasons. <laughs> I've had seasons like the one you're in right now, where I would go like five years without actually spending any meaningful time engaging with a book that I wasn't required to do for work. Those seasons come, and I've had those. But I'm in a season where I'm reading a lot now, and I think you're going to get to one of those before long here, and it will be wonderful. So I hope so. Thank you, Aaron. What were you going to say? I'm yeah, sorry. No, I, got I you was off. just going to say, Rachel. At the beginning, you were saying that that we don't have to actually like all the books of book club. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I didn't. And so I looked back and sure enough, I recall, I did not especially care for <laughs> <laughs> Till We Have Faces, a previous oh, yeah. Lewis book. Oh. <laughs> and I remember I commented, I was like, I read it for a second time. I appreciated it, but I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that remains true. But for those... <laughs> That's okay. It's a weird book for him. It really doesn't fit. It is a weird book. But for those of you that are out there and you're... I want to just offer a note of encouragement who are... Maybe you hear the title, That Hideous Strength, and you're like, hideous? That is this a book that I want to read? I will say, you have to, you have to stick it out. It gets... You, the beginning of it is confusing. You yes. have to persist. Yes, it is. And then <laughs> it definitely, it, you, you start to understand what's going on. And it is an engaging, interesting book. And I definitely enjoyed it more than Till We Have Faces. So <laughs> it was like, I don't know about C.S. Lewis's adult literature. I like mm. the children's literature for C.S. Lewis, but not so sure. Anyway, I'm just offering this out there. I enjoyed the full space trilogy. And I also, I, I waited a long time to read the hideous, that hideous strength because the title made me feel weird. 
But yeah, it's I a weird. Again. It's a weird book. It, it really is. is. So for those of you who have not read it, and we'll we'll recap this in a month or two. It follows the story of a, a newly married, a young married couple, Jane and Mark Stuttock. He's a college professor. She is sort of working on a dissertation, but really just bored with life. They've yep. not been very married very long, but their marriage is already on the rocks. Mm-hmm. And then at 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 one point early in the book, he gets sucked into this organization that will feel for any conspiracy theorists out there will will feel very resonant. Um, and she <laughs> then gets sucked into a different organization that is sort of the good side to fight the bad side. And so this this we see the book through their eyes as they each go through and and learn and grow and find out what their part is going to be in the battle against, quote, that hideous strength. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I am, I am looking forward to discussing it because there is a, there's a lot. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot. We'll have to, we'll have to pick yeah. and choose our topics there, but we will not be hurting for discussion yeah. questions mm, for that yeah. book. I've been meaning to read the Space Trilogy for a long time. I've had it recommended to me several times and I just never got around to it. So I'm very glad we're doing it. And I've already read Out of the Silent Planet, which was amazing. And then Paralandra, which was even better. And then I started That Hideous Strength. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what in the world is happening right now? This is not like either of the two books. Yeah. And I was very confused. Very distinct. Because the first two books have like five characters each. And this one feels like it has 50. And at least. Yeah, it was a lot of people and names and conversation. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. But yes. It's very good. I am finally to the point where things are making sense. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I still have 13 more hours to read. So. (laughs) All right. See, you can get there. So I hope that you all listening out there will join us for our discussion of that hideous strength this summer. I'll be sitting hopefully on a beach somewhere at some point reading, rereading the space trilogy. That's my goal. That's I I see it in my brain. I don't know if it'll actually happen, but <laughs> it'll be fun if it does. So I'd like to know that you all are out there in spirit reading the, right along with me. And we'll look forward to that. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. So our next book club book will happen sometime in July-ish. Well, Rachel will post that in the Facebook group. If you're new to this, <laughs> the, the book club happens in the Facebook group. It is an event that will get posted. It is asynchronous. You don't have to be there at any certain time. Which is great because I won't be. Right. No. Yeah. Rachel will post questions and then we have our conversation there in the group. And then we've started this, I think maybe two book clubs ago, the week after the podcast drops. If you're only on Instagram, I take the questions from the Facebook group and post them on Instagram Mm -hmm. the week following. Mm -hmm. So you can have discussion on Instagram as well. You you aren't left out if you're not in the Facebook group. If you're only on Instagram, that is totally fine. Those questions will be also posted on Instagram as well. So that hideous strength, C.S. Lewis. I I also highly recommend reading the whole series. It's it's great. It'll it'll bend your mind a little bit. Not gonna it lie. Will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Join us in our Facebook group, the Lutheran Ladies Lounge, and on our Instagram page at Lutheran Ladies Lounge. You can find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org/slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app or on the KFUO radio app. You can sign up for our monthly e-newsletter as well. Find out how to do that in the show notes for this episode or send an email to lutheranladies at kfuo.org and we'll get you signed up for the e-newsletter. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Aaron. I'm Bree, And I'm Rachel. 
KFUO Radio and the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast are underwritten in part by Wicking Vicar. Visit them online at wickingvicar.com. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us, too. If you love the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast, consider financially supporting our producer, KFUO Radio, so we can keep doing what we do. Find out how at kfuo.org slash give.